Today we're continuing our study of John. If you were in Bible class, which I hope you were, you've already looked at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. We're going to begin looking, or we're going to take a little closer look at verses 14 through 18. Let's be standing, please. This is the Word of God, written so long ago, but still so effective in our lives. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. May God bless the reading of his word. Okay, are you all ready? All right, here it comes. You ready? All right. There. That was one of the most important points of the sermon today. I read a book one time by a Danish scholar that said that the first moment you step into the pulpit is of primary importance because it's at that moment people decide whether they're going to listen to you or not. Did that help or hurt? <laughs> There, there was an evangelist named Billy Sunday. I don't know if you ever heard of him or not. He was back in the early 1900s, one of these guys that went around setting up tents and holding meetings. And he had been a baseball player, a professional baseball player. And so when it came time for the sermon, he'd have someone get up and introduce him. And he would come running in and slide into the pulpit and get up and say, I'm safe. You get that. No, it is important because right now you've already decided for the most part if you want to listen or not. And I'm looking at you and I can pretty much tell which of you are going to listen and which ones aren't. (laughs) You know, there are some of you that are going to just struggle along with me no matter what I say. Others of you, I can see it in your eyes. Well, maybe come get me. Come on, come on, come on, come get me. And then there's others of you who just want to go eat lunch. That's okay. But I can tell. In fact, if I ever make a superhero movie, that's going to be my superpower, is being able to size people up just by looking at them. Now, some of you have that same power, don't you? I mean, you just see someone and you immediately know about them. You figure out who they are by how they're dressed or how they're walking. And you may have even made up your mind if you like that person or not just because you look them over. If you're a people watcher, I I hear people say that. I like to just be a people watcher. I like to sit in the mall or in the park and just watch people. Well, what you're doing is sizing them up, isn't it? And you're deciding what kind of people they are. And you share that same superpower with me, that ability to do that. Just when you look at someone, you already know all about them. However, sometimes... Boy, it's hard to say. I've actually been wrong. (laughs) 
I remember one time being asked to present a seminar at, I can't remember what the gathering, I can't even remember if it was Austin or San Antonio, it's somewhere down there. And I was given the, the exciting topic of the role of theology in curriculum development. I know. I've got the notes here. Y'all want to hear it? No. <laughs> I thought, I don't even know if anyone's going to show up. This is one of those breakout things, you know, at a, at a conference. And I didn't know if anybody would even show up or not. But I was pleasantly surprised to walk in the room and find there was a decent crowd there. I thought, well, this is good. So I plunged into my material, and I looked around, and, and there were some people actually acted like they were listening to it. You know, some people were even taking a few notes. Others were you know, friendly looking. They would, if they caught me looking at them, they would smile and nod their heads. And then there was this one guy sitting right on the front row right in front of me, like this, scowling. He would look down, and then he would look up at me and frown, and then he would look down. And I thought, man, this guy hates everything I'm saying. And I tried and tried to look over him and to try to find those friendly faces out there. And it's just like his, he just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was really kind of miserable the whole time while I was presenting. I just thought, well, I'm doing my best, guy, you know. Come on, give me a break. Well, after it was finally over, I immediately went off to the side because I had some friends sitting over there. And I went and I started talking to them. And I just hoped that guy would get up and stomp out. No such luck. As I began talking to other people, I could see him lurking in the background, back and forth, just waiting his turn. So finally, when I could avoid him no more, I thought, okay, take your medicine. So I turned to him, and he put out his hand, and he said, you know, that was exactly what I wanted to hear. Thank you. (laughs) What can I say? I was wrong. And that story I think about sometimes, it reminds me that maybe I've been wrong some other times in my life. I wonder how many close friendships I've missed out on just because I thought, I wouldn't like that person, or that person doesn't like me, and just went on, when that could have been really something good if I hadn't been wrong about the way I sized up the situation. Or even worse than that, what if since I've discovered I can actually make mistakes as I decide who someone is and what they're like, what if I've done that with God? What if I've come up with some ideas about who God is and what He thinks about me that are just wrong? I wonder how much closer my relationship with him could be if, I, if my impression of him was more accurate. Well, guess what? The Apostle John wrote a book to help us with that very problem. Because he knows 
that we tend to form impressions of others, and we work out of those impressions that we have of others. And sometimes those impressions can be mistaken. And we need to have a clear picture. And particularly, we need to have a clear picture of who God is. Now, as he begins his book, as you looked at in Bible class, he introduces Jesus as the Word. And he talks about how the Word, or Jesus, and God are so close together. They were close together in the beginning. The Word was with God. And in fact, he says, it's, it's just impossible for us to tell them apart. In fact, he says, the Word was God. The writer of the book of Hebrews says the same thing when he talks about Jesus revealing God to us. He says that Jesus is the exact imprint of God. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. John goes on and in chapter 14, the text that we read, he says this word that was with God and was God became flesh and walked around among us. And even though no one has ever seen God, we saw him. And therefore, he has shown us what God looks like. Isn't that amazing? That in his life and in his interactions with others, that Jesus has shown us who God is, what he looks like. So therefore, with that information... John immediately plunges into stories about Jesus. He wants us to know as many stories as we can about what Jesus did and what Jesus said so that as we come to know Jesus as a man that he was, as a human being, then our picture of who God is begins to come into focus And maybe, just maybe, we discover that some of the ideas we had about God are just wrong. That the funny things that we've thought about Him are not accurate. Just because I think God is this way doesn't make God that way. And I need to let the stories of Jesus, who He was as He lived upon this earth, shape and form my picture of God as well. For example, right at the very beginning there, he just jumps right in to Jesus calling some disciples. We've got Peter and Andrew and Philip and Nathaniel. You'll look at that, I'm sure, next week probably. I don't want to, you know, go too far into it. But the thing is, uh, you read over that and you realize that, wow, Jesus kind of had a sense of humor, It's kind of with a wry smile that he goes around and and calls these people to come and to follow him. And in fact, he even cracks a joke about Nathaniel, doesn't he? Do you remember that story? How, How he already knew them. He already knew their names. He's already giving them nicknames. And how when he runs into Nathaniel, he kind of takes one of Nathaniel's character flaws By the way, you know what Nathaniel's character flaw was here? Sizing people up. (laughs) Yeah, 
Remember, he's the one that said, whenever Philip comes to him and says, we found the Messiah, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He said, well, I've never known anybody good come out of Nazareth. You know, right there and there, you you can't be any good because those Nazareth folks are just a bunch of hicks. Well, instead of Jesus going up to him and saying, how dare you call me a hick? He comes up and says, you know, behold, here's a guy that's never sarcastic. (laughs) He's just pure and as good as they come. With a little smile and a little dig. So, if you think that God doesn't know your name, this story tells us you're wrong. He does. If you don't think that God doesn't know your character flaws, I hope you do think you have some. If you don't think you have any, we're not going to get anywhere, okay? But if you don't think that God is aware of your weaknesses and your character flaws, then you're wrong. But if you think that he's just waiting to jump you about those things, If you think he can't understand what it means to be human, if you think that he can't understand what it's like not to be perfect, you're wrong. If you don't think that he can even be lighthearted about some of your failures, then we really don't have the right picture of God. The second story that we run into is a strange one. John's the only one that tells us this. Brian and I were talking the other day about, why does John, I think, no, maybe it wasn't you. Anyway, why does John tell us this story? Because it's about Jesus making 180 gallons of wine. Now, if we Church of Christ people could vote, we would probably vote, he shouldn't do that. (laughs) You know, that's way too much wine. Well, we're not going to get into the alcohol question, but still, I'm sorry, he did it. You know, there's a party, a wedding party, and the host is going to be embarrassed because didn't figure out enough for the guests to have, and it's going to put a real damper on everything, and Jesus' mother comes and says, you've got to help this person out, and you know that story. And there's a lot of things maybe we can gain from that, but... If you think that Jesus doesn't want you to enjoy life, if you think God is someone who just simply puts the damper on everything, you know, and holds you down and says there's no joy to be found here, you've got to be serious about all of this. I'm sorry. If we begin thinking that about God, we're just wrong. The next story, have an old man who's scared of his friends, so he sneaks in to see Jesus at night, Nicodemus. And he seems to be open and honest that he wants to learn what he can, and he begins asking Jesus questions or talking to him, and Jesus takes the conversation and starts talking about new beginnings and new life and new birth. And he talks about the Spirit, and he talks about the water, and he talks about all these wonderful things. It finally ends up his conversation by saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. You know, we can come up with a lot of funny ideas about God, and we can become very cynical about our lives. But guys, 
If we ever begin thinking that we're too old to change, that we're too set in our ways for life to become new and real and exciting again, then we've got some wrong ideas about God. That God can take an old man and turn him into a baby again. God can take someone whose heart has grown cold and old, like we just sang about in the song, and give new life. And if our picture of God doesn't have that in it, then we're just wrong. One more. The the next story is about a woman at the well. You know that story, don't you? And how Jesus runs into a woman who has messed her life up so bad. Some of you in here have been married twice. We may have some people in here who have been married three times. That's tough, isn't it? You've been down a lot of roads and you've had a lot of bumps and bruises and you may wonder if God can do anything with you and give you a life that will bring glory to his name. Well, meet a woman who'd been married five times and currently she had just given up on marriage and was just shacking up with a guy. Now, if there's anyone that God would write off, I mean, you know, come on, woman. What have you done with yourself? Don't you have any self-respect? And Jesus talked to her about water and thirst. And Jesus offered her a drink from that well, which is God himself. So, if you think you've messed your life up so much that God can never use you, if you think you've messed your life up to the point that God will only condemn and can never straighten out again, well, I'm sorry. You're wrong. Look forward over this fall of looking at the stories that John tells us about Jesus. And each time that I preach one, I hope that somewhere in that sermon, we talk about what this means about God and how this helps shape our picture of Him. But I hope just this quick little preview has at least opened your heart to the things or to the idea that maybe in some areas of your life you have misjudged God. You thought you had Him sized up. You thought you knew what He was like. You thought you maybe had reached a point where you couldn't really relate anymore. Well, may the Apostle John in his book begin to break through that to let you know there's a God who knows you, who loves you, who, yeah, wants to change you, and he's powerful enough to do it. We're going to stand, we're going to sing, and if John and his inspired word have touched you today, find someone standing around the edge of this room and go to them. Let them know and let them pray and counsel with you. Let's stand and sing.